This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. And as usual, a show in three parts. We've got some new cars up at the front. We've got a bit of a discussion in the middle and a statement and then a used car review at the end of the Volvo XC90 T8. And as usual, I'm joined by my friends, Ali Johan and of course, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hello, good evening and Selamat Hari Raya to all listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for having me back, Selamat Hari Raya, and I hope you all had a safe journey to and fro. Right, Ali, what are we kicking off with today? A couple of uh, new launches in the market. We spoke about this car last week, the Hyundai Creta, which is a new B-segment compact SUV. Now it's finally arrived in Malaysian markets. Fully imported edition for now. Features mm-hmm. the Hyundai Smart Stream engine on a 1.5 litre engine. Uh, bookings are now open. You can go over to the Hyundai uh, showrooms to have a look at it and test drive it, Daniel. Yes, and I have to first apologise to all the listeners. I made a big mistake on the <laughs> guesstimate price a few weeks ago. <laughs> yes, we did. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. I did a guesstimate of 118,000 ringgit, 118. Uh-huh. Now, I did that based on the price in Indonesia, the conversion, the possible tax structure, everything else. Well, you know, my calculator wasn't working well the other day. And so, I got it wrong. And I got it wrong by a huge margin. Just a little bit. (laughs) The price at launch was a shocking 14988. Now, I know a lot of people are like, 149,000, are you crazy? Yes, it's 149,000. This is a mid-size B-segment crossover slash SUV. It's mm. a Hyundai. It's fully imported. People are not happy about this price. When we when we did the coverage and put it up on uh, DSF, the Facebook reaction was quite controversial. And to be honest, I was a bit shocked with the price because at this price, you got so many other options in the market. Right. You also got the most stylish looking but older Hyundai Kona, which is priced in the same region. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I'm trying to figure out, you know, I haven't spoken to the, the good people at Hyundai Samdabi, but I'm trying to figure out why this price. I know it's fully imported, but this is a high price. Yeah, and at its price point, does it put it closer to a C-segment SUV, Daniel? Exactly. It's much closer to a C-segment. Okay, put aside the local-made cars. I'm talking about Proton and Perduala. But, you know, you, you talk about the Mazda CX-5. Um, you know, it's it's slightly more expensive. and The Honda CRV slightly mm. more expensive. So when it's slightly more expensive, you know, when you're in this price range and you take a seven-year loan or nine-year loan, the difference is a couple of hundred dollars. And you might think, mm. no, I might as well go for the bigger one, you know? Mm, mm, mm. So a bit difficult. And it's a 1.5 engine. Not that it's a weak engine, but you know, Malaysians, they want fuel economy, but they want a bigger engine. Right. Well, something a little bit bigger. Something mm. a little bit bigger. So anyway, this is coming now. 1.5 engine, 115 PS, Pretty decent power, 144 newton meters, not the best. It's got all the new tech that came with the the, the all-new Hyundai Palisade and everything else transferred down to a smaller vehicle. Four driving modes, eco, normal, sport, smart. I mean, in terms of tech and safety, it's got it, but it's just not 149888. Right. Why do you think they've they've listed it at that price? I think, again, guesstimate, I think (laughs) Hyundai Saim Dhabi knows that the market is really tough with this segment. This segment... Sad to say, you've got the Protons, which are just too attractively priced. You've got Perdua, which is too attractively priced. 
they're saying, hey, I'm just going to put this price. I'm not going to sell a lot of units. If I sell, mm. I sell. I don't sell, mm, it's okay. Mm. Mm. Very, very bold. We're looking at global car launches now. Uh, we found out about the new Mercedes-Benz W214 E-Class business sedan. And this is a new uh, E-Class in short. A very, very nice shape and, and that classic E-Class trims there, Richard. I guess it's the first new model since 2017, Daniel. Yes, it is. And you know, the previous E-Class didn't really shock the market. Of course, it sold very well. Till today, it's on waiting list. But it didn't shock the market because the design was not radically different different from the earlier model, right? But now when you look at this, whoa, now this looks radically different. And this looks very much like almost an electric car. Except it isn't. It is an electric car. It's a hybrid and a petrol version. Now, interesting thing about this new Mercedes E-Class, I mentioned it in one of my articles and, you know, a lot of people said, yeah, you know, no one really noticed it. Mercedes is launching this in Europe with a brand new diesel engine. Uh-huh. Now, you know, they said no more diesels, diesel gate, we're going to yeah, go away from yeah. diesel, we're going full electrification and boom, they've developed a brand new diesel engine. And I think that's a very smart move because why? Not the whole world wants to go into electrification right now. Mm. Meanwhile, you do have certain countries, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, some other parts of South America and Africa and everything else, where they still love their diesel. And you got clean diesel running right now, RON95 in Malaysia. So if they were daring enough to bring it to Malaysia, I think the diesel version will sell. Mm. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'd love to see this car in a diesel edition. Um, And it's called a business sedan. It looks like a business sedan car. It doesn't come across as like a family sedan, right, Daniel? Yes, because it's not for people like you and, and Richard because you guys are like playboys. You know, you want something stylish, <laughs> fun and everything else. This is for a businessman. You get what I mean? Because you guys are celebrities, that kind of thing. Where you know? did you get this idea from? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, more news on... Um, let's go to Toyota. So, over the long weekend, um, there's some news about Toyota and the Toyota Vios here, Daniel. What's the situation here about, about these brands? Okay, basically, this is very, very, um, this is a very serious thing now. You know, Perdua is a partner with the Daihatsu, right? Mm, mm. Now, Daihatsu, in, in fact, is owned by Toyota. Now, these are very big car companies, very big footprint around the world, very, very uh, huge global sales. And, you know, they're small cars, are doing so well in our region. Now, when I say small cars, they are Dahatsu and Perdua vehicles. Now, a whistleblower, this, this news first came out in Reuters, a whistleblower from Dahatsu shared information that when they did crash testing, you know, all these vehicles, when they come out, they need to do crash testing. Mm-hmm. Um, the side impact, side collision test was slightly rigged in terms of, you know, some part of the door to get the, 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 the five-star rating, you know? Uh-oh. Oh, so, what Reuters reported, and you know, it was it was confirmed by by people at, at Daihatsu also, that this was um, you know done to get, make sure they get the rating. So, you know, the cars were presumed as a high level of safety. Now, I don't know what happened somewhere in between. Someone maybe you know got lazy. Someone just thought they can get away with it, or maybe just because they thought it's a very small thing, let's not make a big issue out of it. They got their rating. They started selling their cars, and the sad thing is. The cars that are involved are also cars that are sold in Malaysia because these are the same models that are sold under the Perdua badge. But now oh. comes the issue, should these cars be recalled? Yeah. Now, yeah. Japan, they're very strict about things like this, okay? 
Now, we have a testing body here called Myros. And of course, we have Sherim, but Myros is supposed to test its car. Now, to test a car for crash testing is very, very expensive. So, mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, they don't take a whole dozen cars and crash test it. They just do one or two and then, you know, they don't have the, the proper test facility. I mean, these things cost a million, you know, million, couple of million ringgit, few million ringgit to, uh, to have this. So, they say, okay, since the parent has it, the parent being Daihatsu, and because they've done what they need to do, then it should be fine. But right now, the information that's coming out of Japan is that the Toyota Yaris Atif, the Perdua Asia, and the Toyota Agya, these are the three models that have been um, been, been told that you know the, the, the testing were, were rigged. Now, for Malaysia and Thailand, there are 76,289 units. Wow. For, for the Perdua vehicles, there's 11,634 units. Now, in total, that's 88,000 units. I know this, this sounds very worrying, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to say this, and I know, you know, being on air, a lot of people are going to question this. How many other companies have done this? Mm. I mean, there are so many new cars coming out of China right now. How many of those electric new cars have gone through this testing? How many of them have got proper certification? You know? Right. And yeah. some of them are new companies. You know, the bigger companies, you can understand, the moment they go global with their cars, if a car is built to go global market, for example, something from Germany, something from, from France, uh, maybe, you know, like a Lexus from Japan, when they go global, the testing is done to, 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 to conform to global standards. So they cannot afford to do something like this, right? Mm. Yeah. Now, if it's done just for the AFTA market, that means ASEAN countries, and some of yeah. these cars coming from China, now they've been developed in China as left-hand drive vehicles because China is a left-hand drive country. When they bring it to our part of the world, it's going to be right-hand drive. Even though it's just moving the, the, the steering column, you still need to go through extensive crash testing because why? Everything is changed inside the car components, right? Mm. Are mm. they doing proper testing? Who is auditing the auditors? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, I come back to a question on global standards. Many years ago, Volkswagen did a big boo-boo with the diesel gate issue. And that was a global vehicle. All the diesel cars had a cheat device to give them better emissions control. Now, when it was found out later on, some other car companies were, were, were tested and they were found using the same cheat devices because it all came from similar manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So, I'm asking the question in one of my articles, which other car manufacturer has cheated on safety standards for the AFTA region? As far as we know so far, they have no uh, recalls issued in this country. That's the thing. They're not doing a recall and they're saying that the cars are safe. Mm. Now, these statements have come from the, from the management of uh, UMW Toyota and Perdua. Maybe they know something that we don't know. Please share it first because a lot of people who are buying these cars are worried right now. I also want to add this. Please take note. Huh? 30 days from now, everything will be forgotten. Business as usual, sales will be booming, people will continue to buy cars. Because things like this are easily forgotten because it's a small little part inside the passenger door. Mm. Does it really make a difference to everybody? Are you going to be distressed about it? Are you going to mm. say, oh, I don't want to buy this car anymore? You can't because the prices are so good. Mm. The, the features are so good. The design is interesting. How can you walk away? Because why? This is a market where we are price sensitive. We've got high taxes and our income levels are not that great and our currency exchange is not that great. So cars like this sell by the thousands. Mm. Mm. Like I said, 30 days from now, everything will be forgotten. We will be continuing on this discussion with a local brand uh, in the next segment, right, Daniel? This is a yes. related topic that we're going to do with the Asia in a bit. Um, but still on Toyota, just one last piece of news. 
FJ Cruiser. You guys remember or have ever seen this on the road in Malaysia? I love this thing. Yeah, so we got news this week, this month, that the iconic SUV has finally been discontinued, X from their line of uh, vehicles. <laughs> it's been in the market for 16 years, Daniel. How well did it do in its time? You see, the FJ Cruiser was, you know, <laughs> to me, it's a huge tonka toy, like, like Richard said. <laughs> Same, I loved it, you know? Yeah. I love the way it looked. I love, you know, the little round lights, yeah, yeah. That, that, that hidden door handle at the back. And if, if you got up close to it, it's a huge vehicle. Mm. But mm. when you get inside, it's a small vehicle. Really? Right. It's got that design that says, hey, you know, I can, I can challenge the Defender for the next 20 years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it came with a huge petrol engine, a 4-liter engine. Because the FJ Cruiser was actually designed for North America, Africa, Australia, you know, the countries where road tax is not a big issue and fuel was still, you know, relatively subsidized, you know. But now over the years, they've not come out with a new model. They did some little minor tweaks here and there over the years, but they never did a completely new model. So can you imagine for 16 years, the same vehicle was being produced? What kind of profit margin they had after a while, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the, the tools, the dice, the, the molds, everything else is still being used, you know? Yeah. And if you, if you see the car on the road today, it doesn't look aged. Exactly. It still looks the same. It still looks brand new. It's still, it could fit in with any decade of the last exactly. you know, 20 exactly. years or so. Yeah. And, you know, when it came out first, you know, grey importers were bringing in because it didn't come in officially to Malaysia. It was about 400,000 ringgit. Then mm-hmm. the prices started going down. Today, you can buy a used one for about 120 to 140. And, you know, I, I'm very tempted to actually one day buy this car, but because of the 4-litre petrol engine, that's holding me back. So, I've asked people in Toyota before, why didn't you put in a diesel 2.7 like they have in the Prado or a 3-litre diesel, which will make more sense in terms of road tax and, and consumption. And then I even asked them, why didn't you have a, a hybrid version? Because Toyota is great with hybrids. Mm. And then the other thing, I said, why can't you put in like, you know, like the Lexus 2-litre turbo engine? Why didn't you fit it in? They said, you know, it was designed for this and we kept going because people kept buying it. Well, that's it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. So now they've said they discontinued it quite sad but you heard it here first I'm quite sure at some point someone in Toyota Motor Corporation is going to say listen this is an everlasting design this is a a design that cannot go away let's bring it back FJ Cruiser Part 2 and maybe have a 2 litre turbo or a 2 litre hybrid or maybe a diesel engine and I think it'll sell even better than before Maybe it'll come in at about 118,000, eh, Daniel? Just nice for us to afford it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Yes. Yeah, but so the FJ Cruiser is gone now. It looks like a mini Humvee to me from certain angles. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Toyota's got so many of um, in in, the, in its line in SUVs. They've got so many there. Will they look to fill this gap, or is there already a car in this uh, segment or in this shape and size? Actually, Toyota is a very, very unusual company because it's such a global giant. You know, like they got the Highlander, which you see in Australia and New Zealand, but it doesn't come here, you know? Mm. Mm. Then they got certain models for the US, which doesn't come here. Then they've got, you know, the RAV4, which you recently introduced. And then they said, oh, it's too expensive, never mind. Because why? They got the Harrier. So they've got so many vehicles in just one segment. It's like they can pick and choose what they want. Just like in the small car segment. If you go to Japan, they've got like five, six cars in the compact car segment, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's all about the same size, maybe, you know, slightly different engines, but because they sell so many of each, they can continue doing this. Interesting. Okay, folks, uh, we're going to take a short break because it's very exciting stuff. And when we come back, we've got a bit of a statement coming up, haven't we, Daniel? Yep, we have. Don't go anywhere. Exciting news coming. This is Cruise Control on BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm Rich Bradbury, as usual, joined by Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Ali Johan. If you're only just joining us, we spoke about the Hyundai Creta, Mercedes E-Class, the safety of the new Toyota Vios. Uh, now we've got a bit of a statement on uh, Peridua and their stand on the new Axia. Daniel, take it away. Okay, so we all know about this uh, Daihatsu issue with the whistleblower and the safety standard and mm-hmm. the rigging of the dope panel on that. Well, Perdua has come out and given a statement. I would say strong and uh, informative, straight to the point. They are saying that despite Daihatsu company issuing a statement on 28 April highlighting the procedural irregularities on testing of four new models, which include the Perdua Asia, they say that the Perdua Asia in Malaysia is not affected. A little bit confusing, but anyway, this is what they say. And Perdua continues to say that the revelation from Daihatsu, you know, on the certification given to the Perdua Agja, which is UN slash R95, that's the document, they say is still intact, which means the Perdua Agja is still safe for our roads, for our users. No mm. recall will be issued, nor will Perdua stop delivery of this fast-selling, very popular new model to customers. I mean, this car was just launched a few months ago. Bookings have been booming, sales surging, showrooms busy. This car will sell for another five, six years without any problem. So, Perdua is saying, don't be distressed, don't be worried. We're still providing a quality car. We're still providing a safe car. How far that statement from Daihatsu goes, how far you want to read into all this, I leave it up to the individual. Hmm. Right. And that's that. (laughs) Yep, that's that. It's great that they've they've come forward to assure buyers and potential buyers about the safety of the car. And meanwhile, we are not really sure that this this whole whistleblower thing is hundred percent really. Is it really dangerous? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Is yeah. it really dangerous? Yeah. That we don't know yet. Because why they say fifty km impact, blah blah blah. In today's world, when you have an accident, it doesn't have to be exactly at that point, right? You can be hit from so many points. You can be hit from top. Uh, scaffolding would fall on your roof, and then you know yeah. that's an accident. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Such a small part, I, I suppose, in a car. How could you roll out production of, of a car when there's something that's, you know, not quite right? Does it happen often? That's the question I asked in an article. I asked if, if other car companies are listening and, and doing things like this or are they just getting away with it? Because we don't know what the other car companies are doing. Mm. I remember many, many years ago, there was a car called the Peugeot 408. Mm. It was designed just for third world countries. Now, Malaysia is not a third world country, but that car came here. Today, you hardly see a 408 on the road. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad car, but it was a very cheaply built car. But the Mm. profit margin was huge for whoever sold it, right? Right. Now, if you talk to people who own the car, they say, oh, when it was new, it was fantastic. But as it got older, the car wasn't very well built. You know, the chassis, the, the plastic, the trim and everything else. Because why? When they design a car for third world, they design for a different set of consumer needs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think Malaysia and Singapore should be considered third world even 10 years ago. But even till today, we are considered, in some auto markets, we are considered as a third world country. Hmm. Because we are not hmm. given enough respect. And I think that that alone is wrong. And if, if you speak to people in JPJ, which I've done before, JPJ people know which cars have got proper test records and which don't have proper test records. But sometimes they just can't change things, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess to summarize, the Asia is safe and potential buyers should not worry. Well, the manufacturer has said it's safe. We have to take their word for it mm. until further notice. 
And that should be that. Mm. Yes. Okay. Um, thanks for that, Daniel. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> yes, we shall. Okay, ladies and gents, um, we're going to move on and take a short break here, of course. When we do come back, take a deep breath. Uh, we'll be having a used car review. It's the Volvo XC90 T8 2016. Is that correct? Yes, it's 2016 model. We'll be right back after these messages for Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control into the home stretch here. Uh, our used car review of the week. It is the Volvo XC90 T8. Daniel, why this car? Why have you picked this one? What's going on? What's going on is, you know, from safety issues now to the brand that's been flying the safety flag for the longest time. The people who developed the seat belt. Mm-hmm. The people who've got the best safety record in the world. You know, if you check any dictionary, safety in cars, Volvo. Yeah, okay, we get it, we get it. Okay, so we all know that Volvos are safe. Now, we all remember the XC90, the first XC90 that ever came out. It looked, you know, it looked just right. You know, it it ticked all the right boxes. But at that time, Volvo was going through some, you know, financial problem, management problem. They were not doing so well globally. This car, even it sold well, you know, they, they had... Ford come and take them over, Land Rover come and take them over. They had a lot of ups and downs, you know? Mm. So the first XC90, uh, I mean, nice solid car, seven-seater, had a lot of good features in it, but it just depreciated badly because it did not last. Mm. Unlike the word, you know, Volvo for life, this XC90, the first XC90 wasn't Volvo for life, okay? <laughs> it was more Volvo for the mechanics. But <laughs> still today, you see them on the road. Owners are actually quite happy because it's not that expensive to maintain, but prices are very low. So this caused the used car market to distrust Volvo XC90. So when people came in to sell the XC90, the first generation, they said, oh, this car, very low price, very low price. So some consumers were forced to give a low price and this brought the values down. And meanwhile, German competitors like BMW, Mercedes, Audi were still doing much better in the used car market. Now, when this happens, new car owners, when they want to buy a brand new XC90, because the brand new XC90, the one that is still in the market, you know, they call it with the tall lights and all that. Mm. When it came out in the 2016, a lot of people said, hmm, I scared resale value. Then, of course, the rich people say, never mind, I'm just going to use for five, seven years. After that, I sell, I buy a new one. But people who intend to do this Volvo for life ownership said, oh, can I really keep it that long? Will it be worth it? You know, blah, 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 everything else. Mm. So sales were not that great initially. But then it slowly went up. It went up. It went up. It went up. Because why? As the years progressed, the used car market realized that people who were bringing their five, six-year-old Volvos to sell looked almost perfect. They drove perfectly. Maintenance was not a big issue. The car was much more reliable. Now, all this happened when Volvo was taken over by Geely. Okay. For a lot of people who don't know this, Geely from China took over Volvo nine years ago, nine, ten years ago. Hmm. And the moment they took over Volvo, they put in funding, they put in technology, they put in a lot of things. And the first joint venture project was the XC90, the current XC90. And I did within, not know that. Yes. And within two years, I think less than two years, 
all the money that Geely had poured into Volvo was returned by the profits of the XC90. Oh, really? Yes. So it was the best investment ever. That's for some the good Geely. work. Uh. Yes. So can you imagine one vehicle, just one model, an XC90 that went global, which wasn't selling as much as its rivals, but it gave back enough money for all their investment into the company. And since then, they've come up with so many new Volvo models, XC60, XC40, which is now selling like hotcakes, the S60 sedan, the X80, the V90. They're all doing so well. Because why? They got it right. And they got mm. it right so well. So even in Malaysia, Volvo used to do like a thousand cars a year. Then they went to thousand, five, two thousand. Recently, they just hit three thousand plus. Wow. So Yep. So growing. It's still not the top selling, but it's growing. And the way it's growing, the competitors are looking and saying, hey, I'm worried. Lah. You know? Now comes used car values. Now, the, when a used car value is strong, that says, hey, I think I want to buy the new car. Yeah. So I was looking at the current XC90, but a 2016 model. Now, while I was looking at 2016 model, a friend of mine wanted to buy a car for his wife. Now, they were all this time using Japanese uh, SUVs and they were saying, you know, Japanese SUVs are good and everything else, but they wanted something premium, something luxury. Now, they love the XC90, but they've never done any research. They don't go online and check. You know, a lot of these people just rely on free advice from me. You know, it's like going to a doctor's <laughs> cleaning and getting free advice without paying, you know. <laughs> so, they asked me, hey, what do you think of the XC90? I said, yeah, sure, why not? And I've been, I've been tracking the value. So, I said, you know, do you know the value is quite high now. Oh, but I saw very cheap. Now, when they said they saw very cheap, they were looking at the older XC90. Okay? Right, right, yeah. And I said, no, that's the older model. Please check your facts properly and look at the picture properly. So when they looked at it, oh, this is the new one. I say, yes, the price is quite high, which means also when you buy it now and use it for three, four years and you decide to sell it, you wouldn't lose that much money. Mm. On top of that, if you think about it, the new XC90 when it was launched was about 380,000 ringgit. Mm-hmm. Today, the use value is about 160,000 ringgit. Now, that's only about a 55-60% loss. Mm. Not bad. Now, not bad for a luxury premium vehicle in yeah. Malaysia. Yeah. Now, comparatively, if you look at the resale value of its rivals, I'm talking about the German rivals, okay? They are below 130 Maybe around, you know, at, at best 140. No way. And they were, when they were new, they were more expensive. So, like, most of the German rivals were within 500 to 550,000. But now they are below 150,000. Whereas the XC90 from 380,000 only came down to 160,000. Interesting. So, so, that shows confidence in the market. That shows spare parts are not difficult to get. That shows reliability is there. That also shows that the used car market, the used car dealers are having more confidence to take in these cars and flip them and make some money. Hmm. I gotta say, I never saw it that way. Mm. So this, it's it's what they call the outfield brands, eh? the left field brands that, you know, get ignored over the years by used car dealers and suddenly their values drop. The moment the used car dealers get perky and start realizing that this vehicle's got value, they start taking in, values go up. So mm-hmm. they control the used car market, not mm-hmm. you and me. Yep. So if, if you if you go, so like what we did was we, we checked the classifieds and we visited a few of these, you know, this what they call like a car mall, like, you know, um, Slayang, there's one, Batu Caves, there's one, Gomba, there's one, mm. uh, there's another one in uh, PJ, you know, uh, off Old Klang Road, there's one in Bukit Jalil, where you have like, you know, 10, 15 used car dealers all sitting together and then different selling different cars. Yep. Mm. 
and we actually found quite a few XC90s for sale. But as we found these XC90s for sale, we also found their competitors for sale. BMWs, Mercedes, Audi, SUVs also at different price levels. So it was a good way for my friend's wife, because she came with us, to actually get into these vehicles one by one and see which has weathered the least mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before even test driving it. And she... With all the vehicles that we saw, we saw about five or six different uh, Volvos, also their competitors. And she said, oh, the Volvos still look new. They still look fresh. The leather looks still tight, solid, not cracked. The dashboards are all looking clean. Nothing looks faded or worn or sticky. You know, like some mm -hmm. of these cars, the plastics inside get sticky. Yeah, yeah. So for her, the Volvo still look, even though it was an old car, it didn't look like it's aged. So after a test drive, she came back. She test drove some of the rivals. Some used car dealers won't let you test drive, of course. Some of them will, but short test drive. All you need is a short test drive to hear and feel and understand what is right, what is wrong, you know? Yeah. So she decided on an XC90. We got a good price. We managed to get a good loan. But of course, every used car dealer, no matter how big or how small, they'll always ask you for a deposit before you take the cars out for test drive. Now, a lot of consumers find that very irritating. Like my friend, he said, why should I pay a deposit? I said, listen, don't get angry with the used car dealer. He doesn't know who you are. Yeah. You, you could be a guy just, you know, trying to kill some time on the weekend. The you know, one thing you can drive it off a lot, but also while you're test driving, what if we have a small accident? Yeah. What if we reverse into another car? Yeah. And every time you drive it, you're consuming petrol, you're consuming kilometers on the car. Now that 1,000 ringgit deposit, which I could understand why they were charging, they will give it back to you if you say, no, I don't want to buy this car because of reason A, B, C, D, E, which is the valid reason. Mm. So if you take it out for a test drive and you notice, oh, there's a clanking noise at the side or the, or the radio is not working properly or the aircon is not cold or, you know, the electric seat is not working, then you can say, listen, friend, I need my thousand ringgit back, you know? Yeah. Uh, so they'll give it back to you straight away. You know, they're not, they're not going to argue with you. They'll try and debate with you to look at another car. But if they don't have another similar car on sale, you can say, listen, I wanted this car and you don't have one that is in the condition I like. So can I get my money back? Uh-huh. Yeah. So after a weekend of test driving cars, she got an XC90 and she's taken the car home already. So far, touch wood, no problems. Ah, good. Mm. What are the specs for the car? Well, you know, this Volvo XC90 T8, it's, it's a plug-in hybrid. So, of course, you know, you want to check the health, the health uh, of the plug-in hybrid battery. Mm. So, after we took the vehicle, we did go to a Volvo dealership, which the car was initially bought. We checked it in. It's, you know, everything was fine. They said, yeah, the battery should last another four or five years. No issue. Yes, there'll be questions about how much to change the battery later. That's another topic <laughs> for another day, lah, you know. Mm -hmm. So, 2-litre turbocharged engine, 320 horsepower, 400 newton meters of torque, 8-speed gearbox. It does 0 to 105.6 seconds. Oh, wow. You know, for such a big vehicle. Yeah. And yeah. you know, aircon vents in the rear, beautiful sound system, dials, knobs, uh, buttons, all still look fine. You know, this is something which Geely did to really push the Volvo brand up few notches, you know. Mm -mm. Mm. So if you're looking for a used vehicle, you can go to a used car dealer or if you've got a little bit more budget, you can go to a dealership called Volvo Select. Volvo Select spelled S-C-L-E-K-T is Volvo's own used car dealership. Okay? If you Google mm. it, you can find their locations. They will sell trade-in Volvos, like the XC90, but their prices are slightly higher. Now, why I say slightly higher? Because they actually give a warranty. 
and they give you an assurance of the car being given, you know, how many point check, and you don't have to give a thousand ringgit deposit to test drive. <laughs> Which for some people would be the make or break. Yes. <laughs> okay. So that's up to you. That's your decision. Some people say, no, I don't want to pay a little bit more money. I'm willing to go and do this. Or I don't want to pay the 1,000 ringgit deposit. I'll go to Volvo Select and get a used car. All right. Thanks for that then, Daniel. No problem. Thank you for having me on the show again. Pleasure. A pleasure. You heard it here first. Yes. I think you should copyright that. <laughs> I already did. You already did, did you? I already did, but they're still waiting for the paperwork to come in. Uh, okay. It's time for us to wrap up... Uh, folks of course if you did miss any part of this show we recommend that you download the podcast that is available uh, via the apple app store and google play on our app of course we'll see you the same time same place next week for cruise control the car show in three parts my name is rich bradbury on behalf of ali johan and daniel fernandez from dsf.my that's us signing off for bfm 89.9 the business station listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.